Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. Today we are looking at the topic of prayer. And Paul is going to be uh, instructing us on prayer and, uh, and what he's, he's saying to uh, the Colossians here. And, uh, and I've just been really reminded over the past year, especially, how much power there really is in prayer. Like we say that as Christians and like we'll, we'll make those kind of statements or whatever. Um, and, and, and we like intellectually and verbally would affirm that, but maybe actually in practice, we don't always live that out if we're honest. Um, But uh, I mean, just this last year when we were looking at, you can't tell it today because I think a lot of people are scared of snow, Um, but uh, we're continuing to grow as a church and we're looking at like, what are we going to do? Because we're running out of space in this place, and uh, we had a building occupancy level of 100, and we were butting up against that on a regular basis and exceeding it at times. And and so we said, hey, for the month of September, what we want to do is we want the church to all pray and fast and ask the Lord what he wants us to do. And, you know, we're thinking, like in leadership, we're thinking, you know, are we about to do a renovation on this building to get that number up, or are we looking at a move or something like that? Like, what does God have for us? Um, and, uh, and so we prayed and we fasted and we came together afterwards and we had a meeting and we said, has anybody heard from the Lord what we should do? And nobody had anything that we were like, yeah, this is definitely what God wants us to do. Um, and then a few weeks later, uh, I get a call from the building inspector and he says, you know what? I'm just going to increase your building occupancy. Um, what do you want it at? I I was like, well, I think 200 would be reasonable for this building. He said, yeah, I can do 200, no problem. Um, and so, uh, so he bumped it up. And, uh, and so we didn't have to do a reno. We didn't have to spend all this money. And I just looked at it I was like, wow, God, thank you for answering prayer. Um, there's power in prayer. When we take time to come aside and talk to him and ask him and, uh, and seek his will and what he wants, there is great, great power in that. And so in our passage today, uh, we're in Colossians chapter 4, um, and uh, in, this, in this passage, we're going to be answering really two questions. Uh, one, what should our prayer life look like? And two, what should we be praying for? What should our prayer life look like, and what should we be praying for? So first, what should our prayer life look like? Let's read Colossians 4, 2. He says this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So let's dissect that. Continue. What does that mean? Something you keep going. He doesn't say, hey, start. So no, continue. This is what's expected of, of the Christian in the Christian life is that we're in a continual conversation with the Lord. Um, if you ever need... Uh, If you're in like a scripture memory challenge or something and you need a bunch of verses you can memorize easily, here's a great one, okay? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this, pray without ceasing, all right? So 
You guys should memorize that before you leave today. Pray without ceasing, all right? Um, but 1 Thessalonians 5.17, is, it goes right with this. Our, our prayer life is to be something that, that's ongoing, it's continuous, it's a constant state that we're in of communication with the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that we're always in a place where we are sitting there with our eyes closed and our head bowed? Well, no, because we would never get anything done, and that's not what God intends for us. Um, but what it means is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, as we walk through our daily lives, we're walking with the Lord. We're in communion with him. We're in conversation with him. Um, and, and he goes on here uh, with a few other words. The next he says is, is steadfastly. What is, it, what is a steadfast person? That's somebody you can count on. That's someone that you can rely on. That's a, a reliable thing. And so if your prayer life is steadfast, then that means that, that it is consistent. Um, and I'm sure it's because of the snow, but we're missing two of our most steadfast prayers in our church today, um, Derek and Marjorie. Um, they are steadfast in their prayers. Um, if you know them, if they've met you, you're probably on a list that they have that they pray for at some point. Um, they have their everyday list. They have their Monday list, their Tuesday list, their Wednesday list, their Thursday list, their Friday list. And they pray uh, through this, these lists of people regularly and steadfastly. Um, they are faithful in their prayers. Uh, and that's a, a great example um, for us. Um, and so we want our, our prayer life to be a reliable thing, not something that, oh, we wait until like, you know, like pr Bruce was praying over those when we have these major moments in our life. Well, those are the moments where, oh yeah, I, I need to pray, right? Like, like, oh, this is really bad. This is out of my control. I'm scared. I'm worried about whatever it is, X, Y, Z. Um, I need to pray about it. And that's when we see the need, but the reality is that our prayer life should already be a steadfast thing in our life so that when those major things come up, it's already just a part of the conversation we're having with the Lord. It's not like, oh, now I need to figure out how to do this thing. I need to figure out how to pray now that everything's going crazy. No, like our prayer life should be steadfast. It should be continual um, as we see here. Um, and so, so what does that look like? Um, it looks like thankfulness. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So first, the watchful part, um, I think this really means that as, as you're going along your day, as you see things, as you hear things, as you think about things, you're being watchful in prayer over those things, meaning those things inspire you to pray. So as, as you interact with someone, you, your thought process changes from how you're interacting to how you're praying for that person. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's not as someone who has mastered this, but someone who is a learner along with you. Um, I, I have been around older, uh, more mature believers who have told me that, that yeah, like they're, as, as they're talking to me, they're constantly praying the whole time um, and that kind of thing. And, and I, I, I think that's the goal that we should be, be striving for. But our prayer lives should be marked by continuous, steadfast, thankful prayers that are based on what we're seeing around us. And so on that thankful part, how do we make sure that we're being thankful? Because um, so many times I think we do pray about the big thing, whatever it is, right? And then when the big thing is over, when God works out the big thing, we're kind of like, oh, well, that was good. 
you know, and we don't take that time to stop and thank him um, for what he did and how he answered our prayers. Um, but I think if we see, if we look at, let's take a minute and look at how Jesus taught us in Mark chapter 11. Um, Jesus taught this about prayer. In Mark 11, uh, starting in verse 22, um, Jesus says this, And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he, what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you in your trespasses. Now, I know this passage has been taken by some and really distorted and abused to just say, hey, if you just believe enough, if you just have enough faith, you can just name it and claim it, right? Like you want that, new, that promotion, you want that job, you, you want that million dollars, you want to win the lottery, you want to get the new car, you want uh, the new house, whatever. You just have to believe enough, name it and claim it. That's what this verse says, and then it's yours. That's not what he's saying, Okay. Um, because what, what scripture teaches consistently is the fact that in prayer, our hearts are becoming in tune with God and our desires are becoming in tune with his desires and he's shaping us and molding us through those things. And so what he's talking about here is, hey, when we're praying in faith, then we're praying in, in, into things that are according to God's will. And so as we're praying in, in this passage, yes, we should be praying prayers that are along the lines of what God wants. And when we do that, we should have faith that he is going to answer. Do you have prayers that you pray that maybe you're like, yeah, I say this, but I don't really believe that he can come through with that. I pray for this, but I don't really know that that's going to happen. But yet here we're being called to believe and have faith as we pray that, yes, God really is powerful. Yes, he really can answer this prayer. Yes, he can do this thing. And I think when you're praying with that level of faith, even when you're praying for those things, you can pray for them in thanksgiving of how God is going to answer. I think we don't have to wait until he answers to give him thanks. We can thank him before he answers. And so, yes, where Paul is telling them here um, that, yes, we're to con pray continually, steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. He's pointing us to this kind of prayer life that it's just, it's part of your life. It's an ongoing part of your life. And I, I hope um, that is where you are today. And so, um, so we see there um, our, our first question um, what should our prayer life look like? But next, what should we be praying for? Okay, and now if you'll remember, Paul at this time, he was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. And at, from prison, he's writing to them these instructions, and he says this, at the same time, pray also for us. Now, what do you think he would say next? If it were me, I would say that we get out of prison. I don't want to be in prison anymore. Prison is not nice. 
At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door. See right there, open a door. But what's the door for? For the word. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So Paul asked them to pray not for his release, not for the doors of the prison to be opened for him, which God is completely able to do because we see that happening even in Paul's life where he, one time he's in prison and the whole prison falls apart um, because he's singing and worshiping God. And he just sits there and waits for the jailkeeper to come back. Um, like we, we know that God is able to answer that prayer, but that's not what Paul wants him to pray for. He doesn't want open doors to the jail. He wants open doors for the gospel. And so he's instructing them, hey, pray for me that I have open doors for the gospel, that I have opportunities to share the gospel with those who need it. Many of you I know have loved ones you care deeply about that you want them to see. You want to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I know that you pray regularly for them. Keep it up. Pray with faith. Pray for open doors to the gospel for you with them, but also maybe pray for open doors to the gospel for other Christians to come alongside them. Maybe someone else who they will listen to when they will not listen to you. Um, yesterday morning early, uh, a man passed away uh, who, whether you know it or not, um, our church is greatly indebted to. Um, his name uh, is Henry Blackaby. Um, he's probably best known, uh, for a book and, uh, and thing that he, uh, it was a whole study series that he developed called Experiencing God. Um, it was really big back when I was a teenager. Um, interestingly enough, um, uh, just a show of hands, how many of you would, would recognize Henry Blackaby's name or Experiencing God? Okay, a few of you. Um, it's really interesting because in the States, um, and many other parts of the world, like Africa and other places, like it would be almost all Christians know who Henry Blackaby is, right? Um, which is funny because he was a pastor in Canada. Um, and so he's, he's way better known in other parts of the world than he's known here. Um, but Henry Blackaby um, laid a great foundation in our network of churches. Uh, and in that, uh, he uh, did some just great faithful work. He was a great, a faithful steward of the word. Um, at one point he was Derek and Marjorie's pastor, um, when they were down at the coast, uh, when they lived down there in the lower mainland and, um, great guy. And, uh, he's left a legacy behind, um, of, uh, men in his family who are pastors. Um, one of our church plants over on Vancouver Island, uh, uh it's over at Oak Bay. If you guys know where Oak Bay is, out from Victoria. Uh, his grandson is the pastor planting that church. Uh, his, uh, one of his nephews is our person in charge over church planting for our province. Another of his nephews is in charge of our seminary. Um, both of his sons are, are pastors. Uh, one of his sons, this is where Potter's house comes in, uh, one of his sons, when he was in seminary, became friends with a guy named Kevin Madden. Um, and uh, after seminary, uh, Henry's son named Mel uh, came back uh, to Canada, and he went and pastored up in Kamloops. 
and he said, hey, I want uh, Kevin to come work with me. And so he talked to Kevin into coming to Kamloops, and that was Kevin's introduction to Canada. Um, from there, uh, Kevin and his wife Alicia felt the Lord calling them to come to the real Okanagan, not Kamloops, um, and, uh, and start Potter's House uh, here in, uh, in West Kelowna. And, uh, and so that was the start of our church and kind of how that happened. And, uh, and so I say all that to say Henry and his legacy has had an impact on us and our lives, whether we know that or not. Um, and so he passed away and went to be, he got to experience Jesus in a whole new way yesterday. Um, and so I was looking back at some of the things he wrote, and I came across this story that he wrote that fits with our sermon for today. And so I just want to share this with you today. He says this, I once received a phone call from a man wanting help from a pastor. He said he'd already talked with four other pastors, and three of them um, said, you're the only pastor who works with people like me. And I asked him, well, what's your problem? He said, I'm an alcoholic. I invited him to come at once to see me and promised to talk with him and help him until God delivered him from alcohol. I didn't know until later he was phoning from a downtown hotel where he was standing on a windowsill of an upper floor. And he decided that if I said I wouldn't help him, he would jump and end his life. The promise of helping this tortured man uh, continued for many months. There were times when I had to go into town and pull him out of bars and even out of prostitutes' rooms. But finally, the day came when he knelt uh, in the home of one of the deacons in our church and put his faith in Christ. I remember the moment well, and I can still hear his prayer as he cried out unto God. A few weeks later, a small gray-haired lady who I didn't recognize came up to me after church. She was crying as she stepped forward to hug me. I soon discovered that this man I'd been helping was the only one of her children who had walked away from God. This godly mother, who I learned was active in organizing support for missionary efforts, had spent many sleepless nights because of her son. And she told me she would pray for him something like this. Oh God, I don't know where my son is, but I love him. And I pray that somehow you'll put some caring Christian alongside of him, someone who will, who will stay with him long enough until he's saved. Maybe you've prayed a prayer much like that for someone you know. I know I have. As this mother told me this, I realized how my reaching out to this man had been an answer to her prayer. Do you realize that around your life today, there are probably lost people whose mothers and fathers are praying that God will put a Christian alongside them? And you are that person. And I just thought that was a good example of what Paul is praying for here and what he's asking them to pray for is he's saying, hey, let's, let's pray for open doors for the gospel. If it's not me, if it's not through me that my son comes to faith, it God, put somebody else alongside them. Put one of your people there in their life that, that will speak the truth of the gospel in there and they open those doors where your truth can flow through, can speak into their life, can bring them to the place of, the, of where they need to be. And so we 
we can see here this connection between that kind of prayer and what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, hey, pray for the door of the word to be open. But it's not just that he prays for it to be open. He wants us to pray for it to be open. But verse 4, that I may make it clear. This is, this is what every pastor would love for you to pray for them. Is we want to make it clear. We want to take the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us and make it clear to people. Where God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, can take that and work in their lives. I know many of you tell me that you pray for me, and I'm greatly, greatly thankful for that. But I ask you, if you will, pray for me that that God will open these doors and that I will make it clear. That I will be able to explain the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to earth, that he lived as a man, he, he was fully God, fully man, that he died on a cross paying the punishment for sin, a price he did not owe because he never sinned. And that payment was received by the fact, and we know that by the fact that he rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death, and through that there is salvation that is available to man where we can be forgiven, where we can be made right with God. And so in that, let's be clear. Let's be clear with the gospel. So many times um, as, as Christians and we start talking about things of the Bible, we can start chasing rabbits and get, all, get ourselves even confused on what we're talking about. But when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the truth of Jesus, let's just pray that God will help us to make it clear, which is how... I ought to speak, as he says here. So let's pray for open doors with clear and effective gospel advancement. Is that part of your prayer life? I think if we're honest, a lot of the the things we pray for, and there's nothing wrong with praying for these other things, okay? But too often I think we pray for comfort instead of praying for kingdom. So much of what we pray for is, God, give me the desires of my heart, the things that I want, the things that that will make my life easier, better, fill in the blank. Help, Help this brother or sister of mine in Christ who is dealing with this hard thing in their life, make their life more comfortable. Give them more comfort in their life. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with praying over those things. I pray over those things regularly. And whenever you ask me to pray for one of those things, I pray for those things. But if that's the majority of our prayer life, how much are we missing out on on the kingdom of God by not praying for the kingdom to expand? For not praying for, for new people to come to faith in the gospel. I'm just proposing that, that maybe we should try to strike an equal balance in our prayer life of focusing on the things that Paul says to focus on here. I I don't think he has to tell them here, hey, pray, pray for those who are sick and pray for the, because we kind of do that anyway. But we need to be reminded, hey, pray for open doors for the gospel and that will make it clear. And this is what I see Paul sharing with us here. And I want to say, I I think that this is probably the greatest need for our church is to pray this kind of prayer together and over one another. 
I think if, we, if we're praying the way that Paul says here, I, I, I think we're going to be just shocked and amazed at what God does here. Another guy, a guy named Dick Lucas, has said this. It's in a prayerless church that the enemy can best do his work of disruption. Prayer is the greatest power we have. It's the access we have into the throne room of God, who is sovereign and in power and control over everything. And he loves us and he cares about us. And prayer is our opportunity to come into that conversation with him and walk in that conversation daily, looking around and praying for the things we see before us. So what would it look like for crying out in faith and thankfulness to him constantly and steadfastly for him to be bringing more and more people to faith, especially here? What would that look like? What would it look like for us to pray for open doors for the gospel and then when he opens them, for us to walk through them? What would that look like? Let's pray together now. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you for the gospel. I thank you for the good news of Jesus. I thank you uh, for everyone who's here. I thank you for those of us who do know you as our Lord and Savior, the fact that, that your truth has come to bear on our lives, that we have placed our faith in you and we do believe you. We do believe in what you are doing and you're going to do and you continue to do. And so I just pray and thank for that. Lord, I do pray that for each of us who knows you, that you will provide us open doors for the gospel. I pray that you will show us those doors. I pray that we learn to live and walk in, in a state of prayer with you where we're being watchful. And when we're being watchful, we'll know that, yes, this is an open door. This is God providing an opportunity for me to share his truth, to share his gospel to stand on that. Lord, help us to be in tune with you and watchful in that way so that we, we do not miss the opportunities that you put before us. And Lord, I pray you do put many opportunities before us. Open those doors before us that we might share your truth. And when those doors are open, Lord, help us to be clear and bold in our presentation of, your, of you and who you are. Help us to present that before people in a way that it's understandable, a way where it's clear to them, a way that they can know that you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are the way that we can come to the Father. Lord, I pray for many more to come to faith in you. I pray for many more uh, to get to experience the goodness of you and your salvation and your truth. Thank you for all you do for us. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. 
tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.